Presented by MisfitsAudio.com Adventure awaits! Tom Crean, Sailor on Ice Written by David Herzl and post-produced by Michael Hudson Episode 1 Into the Frozen South Great God, this is an awful place, and terrible enough for us to have laboured to it without the reward of priority. The pole, yes, but under very different circumstances from those expected. We have had a horrible day, and to our disappointment a headwind, with a temperature minus 22 degrees, and companions labouring on with cold hands and feet. Now for the run homeward, and a desperate struggle. I wonder if we can do it. Hello, miss. A right wet morning outside, wouldn't you say? Must be what keeps Ireland so brilliantly green when the sun shines. Yes, sir, it is. You can hang your coat on the pig in the outer room to drip. May I fetch your pint? Well, I might start with a bit of tea. It's early yet. I've come from the London Times to speak with Mr. Crean, Mr. Tom Crean. Is he about? Oh, another reporter. I know what you've come to ask him about. He's not fond of talking about it, you know. So you might not find what you come for. But you'll enjoy talking with him anyway. Here, come take a seat by the fire. Mr. Fraser. Yes, uh, Mr. Crean, it's such a pleasure to finally meet you. I've read so much about you in Captain Scott's book, and Shackleton's, and especially Mr. Garrard's book, The Worst Journey in the World, that in some ways I feel I've already met you. Well, yes, as much as one can from a book, I suppose. There are others named there whose stories are more important than my own, but I've played my part. Rather well, I may say, and of nothing else, I came home and survived a war to tell about it. Won't you sit down? Thank you. Harry, won't you bring us a pint? The man asked for tea. And for you, Papa. The sun's not over the yardarm yet. 
girl. You can't even see the sun. It's so dark with cloud. So it's tea for you also. And it's coming. So, Mr. Fraser, I suppose you've got some questions for me. If I might be so bold, sir. Don't call me sore. It makes me feel old. Among other things, I'd prefer otherwise. Tom will do. Thank you, Tom. Uh, to start, I'd... And don't be thanking me all the time. Life's too short to waste with all the details of your British politees. We're plain folk here, and like it that way. Our talk is plain talk. We do whatever we do without a fuss. So go ahead. Start. What do you want to know? Well, Tom, how did it all start for you? I, I mean your whole adventure. I was in the Navy, the Royal Navy. I'd gotten out of here as a lad, seeking a way in the world after my father had named two of my brothers his heirs, with nothing to the other seven. I was fifteen, lied about my age to the recruiter, borrowed a suit and a suitcase, left with a mailboat from Minard just below there, and never came home. At least not for a long, long while, but now I'm home for good. I did all right in the Navy, made petty officer in six years, about right. Then I offended my captain mightily and was disrated. What was your offence? Young man, you'll get more out of me if you learn early what questions not to ask. Well, yes, of course, I... He looked kindly on me nonetheless and went to help me find a berth. The discovery was in port. It was Christchurch, New Zealand. The year was 1901. The discovery had just arrived and was soon to depart on the most important leg of her famous journey to be the first, well, almost the first, expedition to explore the Antarctic continent. Queen, won't you come along? Oh, it was a heady time. It was all a new thing then. All the nations were sending ships, it seemed. The place was untouched, and all the secrets of a new continent were awaiting discovery. In my ship, a steel gunboat, the Ringaruma, all the sailors knew about it, and half wanted to be part of it, and for no other reason than to find something new. I was one of them. When the call went out for volunteers to join the discovery, there was no shortage. But my captain wanted rid of me, and so he got me on, along with a few others from our ship. We thought it was a grand lark, to escape the boredom of life in the peacetime navy, with nothing to do but look forward to gunnery practice and shore leave. Surely there would be danger and adventure aplenty down there, amidst the ice and snow where no man had ever been. There would be new lands, an undiscovered continent, riches for the empire, and a share of fame and glory for even the seamen. Come now, did you really think of fame and glory? I was a young man, middle twenties, younger than you are now, I should say. At that age, the future always looms ahead brightly, like new land waiting for your footsteps to explore. To start, of course, it was work for the seamen. Always the way in the King's Navy. Hot work, height of summer, unloading the blasted ship to her keel so they could flutter in the dry dock to find the bloody leak that was her curse and plague. No glory there, but it was man's work, roustering around men, pulley holly, stamp and go. I found out pretty quickly who could be counted on to pull his weight. What's that? Thank God for a little breeze. It's hot down here. Who are you? Better I should ask, who are you? I'm a warrant officer on this ship, and 
by your looks, I should say you're one of the volunteers. Irish too, I see. I've been watching you. I'd like to see a man who pulls with the rest. If that's all you ask, then I'm your man. Have you filled your empty hammocks yet? I'm ready to jump that noisy steel gunboat for a wooden ship like this, with a masthead to mount where it can get clear of the makework on the deck. Afraid of a little work, are you? You don't look it. I ain't afraid of anything, let alone hard work. When you've more important things to do than polishing bright work, I'm your man. You can see that. So who are you? Edgar Evans. They call me Taff. I made petty officer on the way out from England. I can put in a good word for you if you want. But only if I know who the bloody hell you are. Tom Crean. Later the Ringaruma. Pacific Squadron. Bound, I hope, for parts unknown. Unknown is right. No one's done what we're about to do. No one's gone where we'll be going. The South Pole. Think of it. We'll be known for heroes like Franklin's men lost in the Northwest Passage. Only we'll take the prize, come back home to tell the tale, like McClintock's return safely home. It'll mean advancement through the Navy. I need that. And at the end of your service, you can go home on your pension and open your pub, sit back and write your book and rest on your laurels. I don't write so well. Sire, some kiddies to look after you when you're old and grey. Well, that sounds good. Right now, I need a berth that suits me. Who owns those sea boots? I'd know that sound anywhere. He is wild. Frankie, put that down. Here's Cream. What? Who's this? Crean, is it? What, you're joining the ship? He says he can get me on. He, uh, says a lot that seems bigger than it really is. Um, still he's in with Lieutenant Scott, so Taft's word carries a lot of weight on board. Why do you want on board? Get out of a tin boat and into a wood one. Get off the deck and up in the tops. Get out of the commonplace and out to the edge of the world. Come home a hero, so the girls would fancy me more than a common sailor. Make a little money and have no place to spend it. You'll have all that, are you? More of it than you want, maybe. Tom, did you find what you were looking for? In many, many ways. More than I ever dreamed of. For me, joining the Discovery was a lark, an adventure, something new to do. A way to clear my standing in the Navy. Like many a young seaman, I heard a call of the unknown. It would put me into the ranks of Drake's men and cooks. Maybe it would bring me my own bit of fame and fortune, as Taff hinted at. Cast off, bowline! Bowline cast! Cast off, stern line! Stern line cast! That's quite a send-off. You think we were going off to war? It's been like that every stop since we left London. All the way down the Thames, Greenheight, Portsmouth, the Cape, Melbourne. Crowds of them to see us off. Everyone noisier than the last. Don't let it go to your head. We're done with all that now. 
We've got work to do. If we do it well, we'll get a hero's welcome on our return. If not, we'll be another load of blue jackets come to town to be drugged and fleeced and sent back on board with empty pockets and a sore head. Well, some of us more sore-headed than others. The crowds and the cheering don't mean a thing. They're from England for England. At best for Scotland and society. Be sure no one then on shore is thinking about us seamen. Now that's for us. It's the men in the Pacific Squadron know what's up. They'll make some noise. Look, they're already in the yards for us. Evans, man the yards. Yes, sir. Boys, I have an order from Lieutenant Shackleton to man the yards with all available men once the decks are cleared up. We'll make a good show for him. We've got more yards than half the ships in the bay. Up aloft you go, Queen. You men there, belay that. Up, up. Show them how real seamen do it. Lean on starboard. Lean on. That Evans thinks he's something, always puffing himself up. Sure he's a petty officer. Good seaman too. But that don't put him in charge of everything like he lets on. Scott likes him. Already had him in his pocket by the time I joined the expedition at the Cape. So what if he likes him? Any seaman with a view to his own future makes sure his officers see him at his best if he wants advancement. I was a PO, got into a bit of a scrape, got this raid and sent packing, and here I am. You can be sure Scott and all the rest are going to see the best of me. I'm going places in this navy. You're Irish? What do you care? Carry to the core, but Korean by birth. I may never make an officer, but a top grade born officer gets his own bunk and retires with a pension for a life of ease. Or goes into merchant steam if he wants more money. What about you? Oh, I don't know. I can take orders alright and climb up the rig like your plan, but the Navy's too tame. With no war in sight, there's nothing to do but swab and polish the guns and shoot them at targets. The Discovery, though, he's something different. Off into the unknown. Whatever we find, it'll be something new and dangerous without a gun in sight. We can disappear into the unknown like Franklin did and never be heard from again. Get hold by the ice and sink like a stone with his load. Once we're out there, it's neck or nothing. No guns. That's good. This is the ship for me. Hip hip huzzah! 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 What was that, boys? I could hardly hear you. Now, boys, those fellas are deaf from all that gunnery practice. They won't hear us unless we make some noise. Oh my God! Look! It's Bonner. He fell off the main truck. Belay the chair! Lay a low! There's no saving him! He was dead the second his skull at the deck house! Look, his brains are all over the deck! There's a lesson for you. One hand for the ship, one hand for yourself. Any ship, any service. 
didn't you feel a ship lurch when she hit the tide wave? Too late for him to hang on now. Prepare my way aft, men. Prepare my beer on the grating. Lower your colours, half-staff. Haul down the ship's dressing and signal the fleet we've lost the man, dead. Helm, proceed on your course. So you kept on then, like nothing happened? Burial at sea for Bonner? Sure we kept on. This is the sea. This is the Navy. Well, not quite the Navy. But naval run by Scott, and the men were for the most part blue jackets. We had some merchant officers. You've heard of Shackleton, I'm sure. Who hasn't? We touched again at Dunedin before parting New Zealand and the entire civilized world for good. We hauled him up the hill to the churchyard there and gave him a Christian burial with a gun salute. Then we shipped some more coal and left for good. Who could know for how long or what we would find? What do you mean, not a naval ship but naval run? It seems like it would have to be one or the other, the way they have been for the last century. The expedition and its ship were owned by the Royal Society and the Royal Geographic Society and run by a committee of learned men who had not the faintest idea what they were about when it came to the workings of this sort of thing. The science, that was the heart of it all, you see. The science was their department. They ought to have stayed out of the rest of it, as you will find out. Clements Markham ran the show with the society. Scott was his picked man, and he got his way. Scott was Navy, not yet Captain, and this was one of his early commands. He was not yet up to the mark in many ways. I didn't know then, and some ways it's not been clear to me all along, until now, as I'm telling you. Maybe he was a good choice. This exploration business is outside the normal run of things. Maybe they thought it would be better to have someone young and untried, not some hoary old commander like Franklin and Belcher, set in their ways without a new idea in their head when completely new circumstances arise. What? Yeah, I suppose so. Scott would grow into it. He became a great man, but in discovery he was learning his way, it was clear. Some of his people knew more about the business than he did. Armitage, his second, had already spent a season in the Antarctic. That first with Borchekrovink only two years earlier, and of course Shackleton, his third, who'd come up through the hosepipe in Merchant Square Riggers. Shackleton? He was young too. Hell, we all were. That was almost 40 years ago. Shackleton and Scott were fire and water. They had the same dream, but they had different ideas about how to get at it. They came from different classes. The one was of the people. He knew how to jolly his men to get the best out of them, but he was one of them too. No sense of organization, not much for discipline. You mean Shackleton? Yes. Scott knew the Navy. He knew that the men want order and discipline from the top. They knew their job, and it does not include making decisions about what to do next. Theirs is to follow orders. That is duty. You said the ship was not navy. She sailed under the burgee of the Royal Yacht Club, with the king's blessing. The navy supplied most, not all, of her men and officers. She sailed under a merchant charter, but Scott ran her like she was navy. The most of us were happier that way. We knew what was expected of us. The ones that didn't, well... 
They were for the most part merchant and used to different ways. And at the end of the first season in the south, when they had the chance to jump ship, they jumped. They were the happier for it, and so were the rest of us. So, Mr. Crean... If you want my story, you'll not address me that way. We've got some time to spend together. If you're gonna get the most of it, and I won't have you being overly respectful. I'm another man, just like yourself, and we've got work to do. It's Tom to you. Yes, sir. Razor. Tom, Tom, yes, Tom. So you put Bonnet in the grave, and then you left for good? Yes. We said goodbye to the world as we'd always known it, with warm air and rain and green things, fragrant fields and forests, and set off for the land of eternal ice and snow. I think we all of us stood at the rail or the masthead to watch the light, and then the headland sink below the horizon in the dusk. We none of us knew if we'd ever see it again, or if we did, how long that would be. It was Christmas Eve 1901, and I wouldn't see another green thing for two and a half years. Ice and more ice. The ship cuts through it almost like butter. This ship does, and the other would be hauled and sunk before she knew it. Look at this brash. Neither ice nor water. No place for the boat. The captain says we'll find a big floe and tie up to it for a delayed Christmas. Aye, we'll tie up for water and then we'll have Christmas. First things first. There's Dr. Wilson shooting at seals again. More skins for science. For a godly man, he shows no mercy with a gun. The seals down here don't know what's hit them. He's got two. We'll stop here for a bit. It's a bloody mess. I signed on for a sailor, not a butcher. Aw, oh, come on now. More seals, more fresh meat for the table. It's good for us. Better, I suppose, than canned soup and powdered pemmican meat. Better tasting. Aye, if you like your meat, it tastes like fish. And plenty of it. <laughs> that cook doesn't help matters any. Still, it skins for science, and science is what gets us here. And here is adventure for us. Stand by to lower her away. Hands for the flow. Let's go. Scott made sure we had a good Christmas in the ship. Or first, my first down there. First of many. I had more than most, wild more than me. Taff had his list cut short. Scott, Wilson. We kept going back down there, down to the ice. Some of us never made it home. That first Christmas, well, all of them, it was a regular feast. After all, it was all hands to the floor for games. We found a nice clean level one, solid like a football field, no seal blood. We tried out the ski, Norwegian snowshoes we called them, and fell all over give ourselves. It give it! Oh, give it! No, no. Get it. Then it was back to the ship, steam into a black water lead between the floes, and southward again. We broke through the pack in four days. Then it was smooth sailing, smooth water, and a clear sky with the sun circling round it to live long day. We were far south by now, and believe me, it was a strange new world for almost all of us. 
three ships had come here before us, and no more. One had landed a wintering party at Cape Adair at the northern edge of the known land. A virtual summer holiday for them, compared to what we found later on. What did you find? We'll get to that. What? Are you in a hurry? Not a hurry. Because if you are, then maybe you're not the right man. It's a long story. It's not just my story. To use Scott's own words. A tale of hardihood, endurance and courage, which will stir the heart of every Englishman. It won't be hurried. Yes, sir. Tom. Tom. We landed at Cape Adair just for the morning. We visited Armitage's old camp from the Southern Cross in 99. There was a grave there. One of their men didn't survive that first winter. They had a time. The ground was frozen solid as rock. Penguins everywhere. And oh, the stinking noise of it. Something you get used to. You have to. Then we sailed south again. Everywhere we touched along the way. Everything we saw up close for the first time. It was all new. We were the new explorers. Filling in the map. It was all mountains to starboard. All the way down. 500 miles. If it was an island, it was as big as Greenland. We didn't know then what we would find on the other side of the ranges. More land. Or more frozen sea. An island. Or a continent. It was our job to find out. We came up to Erebus Island. The smoking volcano Ross named for his ship. Lost with the terror. And my countryman Captain Crozier. Late in Franklin's try for the Northwest Passage. But that's another story. Beyond Erebus Island. Lies the great ice barrier. Believe me. There is nothing else like it on earth. Take a drive up the coast towards Galway. Stop and have a look at the cliffs of Moher. They drop hundreds of feet, sheer into the Atlantic Ocean. Hundreds of feet straight down, not a break in them. I'll do it. The barrier is like that. Then what you do, picture them all white. Ice. Nothing but ice. Solid as the stone. And all Ireland behind them. All of it. Ice. Yes, ice. Solid as the earth. And seemingly as immovable. Farther than the eye can see, nothing but white, like marble, solid ice, with a never-ending gale straight from the South Pole blowing off it, clouds of driven snow taken to the air, nothing but white ice and sky, and black water straight to the bottom below. My God. Well, yes, his hand at work made something your mind can barely think. Then what? We steamed along it. Gave it a good offing, no place for taking chances. We were on our own, that's the thing about this exploring. No one to help you out of a tight place. You'll see what I mean, no one really even knows exactly where you are. One slip, one fall, one bad guess, one unexpected storm, and you don't go home. Why did you go back? You'll see what I mean. Look there, the cliffs come down to a mere bluff over the water. You can see the servers sloping up behind. There's got to be an end to it somewhere. We've taken soundings regular, the bottom's coming up. If that's not land under that snow there, I'm sore mistaken. Looks like land, but without a rock in sight, who knows for sure. We're past Ross's farthest east. Shackle says we'll keep on eastward as long as we can. That's her job. No turning back until we find out what we came for. 
think we'll be famous first? Us? Not bloody likely. The expedition already is. The men? We're just the men to them. Of course we wouldn't be here without them. Nor the other way round, and I'd rather be here than anywhere else. Except maybe on shore in the arms of some sweet Colleen. Watch it. Alright. Hey, look there! Where are we? There, just beyond the cathed, starboard. You see it? A rock! I see it! Land in sight! Oh, do you see that? Where? There! Oh, right hi! I see it! Oh, right, yes! That's it, boys! New land! Now we've done it! Discovery! Our namesake, Terra Nova! What's that? New land, boys! New land! Will we try for a landing? I don't think we can get through the brush here. Maybe farther east. It looks like the shore trends north from here. We'll be landing alright, but I don't know if it'll be here. We found new land. That's what matters. So did you land? Not there. The sighting was enough. We didn't have all summer. We got embayed in a bite, nearly frozen in, turned back west along the barrier for Erebus Island. We stopped along the way. Scott had the army balloon taken out and blown up. He and Shackleton went up in it, 500 feet. They could see the barrier ran back in, level like the sea, with great frozen waves in it, miles and miles to the limit of their vision. Four of us, two seamen, two officers, went inland over the barrier. We were the first, the forced, to make camp on the barrier. Gone overnight, of course the sun never set. Ten miles inland. It was a new record for far to the south, and your man Crane set it. What did you find? Ice, and more ice. Nothing to it. Away from the ship, over the crest of the first wave in the surface, and the great white circle closed around us. The blue sky came down to the horizon all around, like we were a ship at sea with ice for water. If your navigator knows his business, you get back home. If not, you may be lost forever. We made our record, followed our tracks back to the ship, and sailed away westward. The Discovery found a snug little harbour at the southernmost tip of the island, where the barrier grinds to a halt up against it, and there we dropped anchor. It would be years before we were free of the ice again. Featuring the voice talent of David McIver as Tom Crean. David Alt as Frazier, April Sadowski as Mary Crean, Ronnie Rowlands as Taff Evans, Stevie K. Farnaby as Frank Wilde, Clive Saunders as Captain Robert Scott, and Brian Bedard as Ernest Shackleton. Music by April Sadowski of abreen.com, Naomi and Shameen King, and Kevin McLeod of incompitech.com. This production was released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 license. All characters, concepts and situations copyright 2009 to David Herzl.